The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you are caring for a person with autism, great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. We are here to have the conversations that will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey everybody, welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. I'm the Vice President of Business Development here at Autism Spectrum Therapies. Um, an agency that's providing services to uh, all individuals on the spectrum um, across different ages, different development levels, and providing a whole lot of different services, um, but primarily focusing on ABA, Applied Behavior Analysis. And I'm also a BCBA, or Board Certified Behavior Analyst, with 12 years working in the field, working with uh, primarily kids and young adults. Um, kind of an interesting show today. We're going to get into some, some topical uh, events that have been going on of late. Um, but before we do that, just wanted to, you know, as always, give, give a couple of thoughts that have been kind of rattling around in my head. And, um, and, and this week's came to me in kind of an odd way. Um, found myself in a, just a sad situation, um, the situation that I think we all kind of fear um, in some ways, um, in that came home from work and saw fire trucks across my street. Um, and came home and actually noticed fire trucks parked directly in front of my home and walked down the street, saw what was going on. And, and unfortunately, my, my neighbor right across the street from me um, had a pretty bad fire and caused some, some pretty significant damage to his home. Um, great family, great people. They've been living in our neighborhood for, God, close to 50 years. And um, one of the things that really struck me and that I was pretty concerned about is that um, this is a, an older gentleman with lives there with his wife and their adult son who has some developmental disabilities. And he told me that his son was actually having a really hard time with the fire. Um, he was really shaken up by everything and it was a, a very tough couple of days for him. It really took him some time to really get back to normal. And you know, at first, doing what I do, working with the people I work with, um, I was, you know, obviously very concerned for the family, but I was very concerned for the son. And it, it kind of occurred to me that if, if he took a couple of days to really get back, get back to normal or, or kind of feel like he was at ease again, that's really good. Um, you know, it's... Fires is something that has actually struck my family personally. Um, I have family who, who have gone through some pretty severe and significant fires that, that have um, led to the complete destruction of their homes. And knowing from their experiences, and, and they'll be the first to say, um, it was years to really fully get what was going on. And being there in the moment 
the day, the day after, the week after, with, with this family of mine, um, a couple of days was, was probably scratching the surface or, or just a, a small fraction of how long it took for them to really feel like they could handle and cope and, and move forward. And it, it really, thinking about that put into perspective for me of just, just how resilient our kids are. And um, I thought about other kids I've worked with over the years who have gone through just pretty traumatic events, um, loss of a loved one, um, loss of a home, loss of just something important, as well as just physical um, trauma that they themselves have gone through and just how strong and resilient they are. And it's, it's one of those things that I know is just such a good reminder to have of just how strong our kids can be and how strong they can be for us when, um, when we need them to. And uh, I was just, just kind of inspired by putting this all in perspective and just seeing it literally out my window on my street um, to go with just the support that my whole neighborhood gave to this, this great family. Um, just a really nice reminder and just a really nice thing for, for all of us. So uh, let's, let's get to today's show. Um, we've, got a, we've got a fun one today, and we've got, a, we've got two guests today, which is always a little bit more fun and entertaining, at least for me, because you know, we always have to balance out uh, not talking on top of one each other and, and so forth. Um, but I'm joined by some old friends today. Uh, today I'm joined by uh, Joe Ashline and Judy Mark. And uh, Joe and Judy are here to, uh, to talk to us a little bit about um, some changes that have been going on with some policies at uh, Disneyland Theme Park. Um, and this has been a, a really big issue um, that has actually been getting a lot of coverage, uh, both on the local news as well as in the national news. Um, just in case you forgot, uh, Joe and Judy, because it's actually, looking through my notes, it's actually been over a year since we've had uh, either one of them on. Let me give you uh, their bios real quick before we get into chatting. Um, Joe Ashline is someone who's really passionate about writing, and she's especially about her experiences raising her special needs son, and is dedicated to promoting compassion, providing resources, and creating a supportive community. Joe writes regularly on her personal blog, A Sweet D- Dose of Truth, where no topics have been off limits. Um, she's the recipient of the Journalism Award for Best Feature Article in 2012 from the OC Press Club for her piece entitled, How an iPad Can Give a Voice to Special Needs Children. Joe's excited to expand her reach with her newest endeavors, Special Needs Orange County, a website devoted to providing special needs families in Orange County and beyond with local resources, parenting tips and advice, and relevant, informative, and meaningful content. Uh, our other guest, Judy Mark, has been an active member in the nonprofit community for the past 30 years. Uh, her expertise in communication, uh, development, and management has enabled her to provide significant aid to organizations in need. Throughout the past few years, Judy has worked with the Leaps and Bounds Foundation in addition to serving as vice chair of Chris Camp. These organizations both provide services to children with autism and their families. She currently serves as the government relations chair of the Autism Society of Los Angeles. Before moving to Los Angeles in 2000, Judy spent over 15 years working in the nonprofit community of Washington, D.C., in numerous capacities, including as the Director of Communications for the National Immigration Forum. Judy resides in Los Angeles with her family, which includes her husband, Alan, 12-year-old daughter, and 15-year-old son who has autism. She continues to give back to the community daily and shares her past experiences and knowledge to improve the lives of individuals living with autism. Judy, Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you. 
It's great to talk to you guys again. I, I feel like I've spoken to both of you away from the show, but I was really surprised that it's been so long since uh, both of you guys have been on. Um, I was hoping you guys could maybe like start off and fill us in where, what was the old Disney policy and what's this new policy that's been causing some of the commotion? Uh, sure, sure. I, I can definitely vouch for the old policy. Um, so uh, I'll explain it to you briefly. Basically, uh, you know, a family like ours who um, was considered to need uh, a specific accommodation outside of what the other guests required at the park could go to the city hall uh, within Disneyland right there on Main Street. And um, we'd show up and we'd request what's called a guest assistance assistance card or GAC for short and uh, you know it was very easy to obtain of course based on ADA laws um, Disney employees are prevented from asking the nature of the disability or any kind or any kind of documentation that would verify a disability or a need so it was all done you know via a very short conversation I would often bring my son Andrew in with me um, he's either in a wheelchair or in a stroller when we're in the park so that they could just kind of put their eyes on him and know that, you know, legitimately we needed a pass. Um, and so we would get one, and you could get one for up to six members within your group for the day. We always had one for four of us, you know. And essentially, you know, one of the big misconceptions that I'd really like to sort of, because this falls right in line with what we're talking about, a lot of people in the media and a lot of individuals who have never used a guest assistance card have um, coined it as a line-skipping card. Okay, This was not a card designed for us to skip ahead of everyone in line and be first on every ride. That is a, that's false. It's a lie. It's a misconception. And it's really given families like mine a bad name um, and the GAC card itself a bad name because people think, ah, oh, it's just, you know, you just get to walk around and go on any ride anytime you want. Um, the pass was designed to be able to provide families like, like ours and, and um, consumers like my special needs son, Andrew, with accessibility to rides. And, and so what we would use it for would be, depending on the ride, you could either enter from a, from an, from a different area, so from an exit versus an entrance, which um, it did alleviate wait times, sometimes significantly, sometimes not as significantly. But it also prevented Andrew from becoming overstimulated by um, a crowd, excess noise, um, and things like that. So that was wonderful. Uh, the other thing is that it allowed us to have an efficient day at Disney because, you know, Andrew, d based on his, not just his developmental issues and autism, has uh, significant medical um, concerns as well. And so his stamina isn't you know, up there. So we wouldn't be able, you know, a typical day at Disney for us isn't eight to ten hours. It's like three hours, and then we're done. So it let us kind of have more bang for our buck, if that makes sense. So, so the guest assistance card didn't just make Disney enjoyable. It made Disney possible for our family. And so when you eliminate a program that was able to provide us with accessibility uh, to the park itself, you take away our ability to, to go back and enjoy it. Got it. And so, you know, maybe, Judy, this is a great time for you to chime in. What I know there's a different policy or there's a new system in place. Can you maybe talk to us about, like, what, what's the layout and the format of this new system that's been designed to replace it? So, so the impetus for the new system was that Disney saw a significant increase in the amount of abuse 
in the use of the gift assistance card. Um, they consider the abuse to be people who lied about the need for it, um, which I, as a leader in the autism community, we condemn that. I personally witnessed it, of, you know, people claiming that they have a backache, they have anxiety disorder, and, you know, then I, if they, they're in a wheelchair and then I see them walking around the park later. Um, so it, it is very frustrating for the mother of a person with a legitimate disability um, to see the abuse. There was also some press coverage of a, a small group of people. Um, I, I personally never saw this happen, but there were some media reports that wealthy families were paying um, people with disabilities to go with their kids um, to Disneyland or Disney World um, so that they could, uh, you know, shorten their wait times. I personally did not ever see something, that kind of abuse happen. If it, if it did happen, it was not widespread. I think the mm-hmm. thing that was much more widespread was the people just um, using the card, either if they had a legitimate disability but didn't really, it didn't rise to the level of the need of, of using a card or people who just outright uh, lied. So because of that, um, Disney felt compelled to change it. It's not the first time Disney has ever tried to change it. They tried to change it a number of years ago and had so much pushback from the disability community that they uh, didn't really change it. So um, this, is, this is their new attempt to try to change it. And the way that they're changing it is to create a disability access system um, a DAS card that, uh, that people will have to get. Um, the way it will work is that uh, individual disabilities um, and their families will need to go to the guest assistance at the park that they're going to, and this, this changes both for Disneyland, um, the Disneyland Resort in California, as well as Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. Um, so this is a national issue. Actually, it's become an international issue because there's a number of uh, many, many families from Australia, Asia, Europe who travel to these parks. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what you will do is you'll go into guest relations, you'll explain why uh, the person needs to have some sort of accommodation, and they will give you a card um, that's called the DAS card, Disability Access System card. And this card will um, will have... On the first side, it will have the photograph. You'll have to get a photograph taken of the child with the disability or the adult with the disability. And you will have to sign the back of the card basically saying you understand the rules and you're not willing to, um, to, to lie about it, basically. Mm-hmm. Then what you do is um, the back of the card has 40 slots. And those 40 slots um, are to be taken to kiosks in, in each of the parks where you will go up to the kiosk and ask them, say that you would like to go on a ride. They will check on a computer the current wait time of that ride, they, and, they, and you will have to wait that amount of time. You will not need to wait on the actual physical line, but you will have to wait that amount of time actually minus 10 minutes because they, um, they subtract 10 minutes because the, the walk that you would need to take to the um, to uh, the front of the line. So, um, th- so the way this works, and, and by the way, at Disney World, it is a, a little bit of a different system where there are not kiosks around the park. You actually go up to the ride operator. Um, you go to the front of the line, and they will write down the time that you can return. Um, so, for example, 
You show up at Disneyland, um, you get your card, um, you can actually get your first ride written down at, in, in guest relations, and you say, okay, I want to go on Splash Mountain. The current wait time for Splash Mountain is one hour, and let's say it's 10 o'clock in the morning, you can then enter the ride at 10.50 a.m., um, and, and um, once you ride that ride at 10.50, you get off and you will have to go back to a kiosk located in the park, and they're located in three areas around the park, and then you can go up and say, okay, now I would like to go on Haunted Mansion, and they say, okay, there's a 45-minute wait for Haunted Mansion. They write down the return time, and what you do with that 45 minutes is your own thing. Um, you can go on other rides and rate the regular amount of time, or you could go eat, or they, they offer uh, plenty of suggestions, which I right. believe um, will not work for a segment of our population, but, sure. but that, that's basically the way that it works. Okay. Well, let's, here's what we're going to do. We've got a commercial break we've got to take, um, but let's, when we come back from the break, let's talk a little bit more about the impact that it's having um, on our community and, uh, and our kids. We'll be okay. right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit autismtherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. 
Now, back to the program. Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio, everybody. I'm joined today by Joe Ashline and Judy Mark, and we're talking about um, some changes to um, some policies at Disneyland, and uh, specifically, actually, for, for all of Disney, um, which really impacts us in so many ways because so many of our kids love going to Disneyland, love going to Disney World. And I, I know so many of my former clients, it's, it's been a pretty big reward, whether it be local people or people traveling for a big trip. Um, Judy, right before the break, you, you were describing um, or, or you told us that Disney gave some, some ideas and some suggestions about what you could do to fill those gaps. If there's a 45-minute wait you come back, but you've got 45 minutes to kill until you can come back to that ride. Um, and I know you mentioned that some of them really don't, or they don't seem really feasible. Um, hoping you can maybe describe what some of those suggestions were and why it doesn't make sense. So I was at the park both on Wednesday at the Disneyland Park in, in Anaheim, California. Mm-hmm. Um, on Wednesday, the first day of the new policy, as well as Sunday, because I wanted to go back on a day on a weekend day, which is the day that you know most families are going to go is on a weekend. Um, and so I was able to see firsthand um, how it works. I did not bring my son mo- mostly because I don't think my son could handle this new system, but also I was there to work and to really um, observe how families and children are able to handle it. On the first day, um, it, it actually worked uh, okay because it was a Wednesday in October. Most families, most kids are in school, um, and it was raining. So the parks were, were not crowded, although more crowded than I would ever expect them to be. And um, and most regular waits for rides were, were uh, anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes. So even if you had to stand on the regular lines, it was not going to be that taxing for most children, um, even children who are on the spectrum. Um, on Sunday was a very, very different uh, day. Um, Sunday was a particularly crowded day at Disneyland because there was a, a benefit walk for Children's Hospital, so it was overly crowded, although I really have to say that it wasn't any more crowded than we normally see at Disneyland around uh, big days. I I was there the week prior um, with my son, and it was a regular day, um, and it was incredibly crowded. So these Disney parks, this is what they want to be crowded. They want to be full because that's how they make their money, and and they do a very good job of of making that happen. So... um, on this particular day, the line just to get the new card was anywhere between 30 to 60 minutes just wow. to wait on the line. And it was in the sun, unshaded, which was very difficult for children who have medical issues. Um, and, of course, you had to have your child with you when you got to the front of the line um, because you had to produce the kid to get the picture taken. Mm-hmm. The line was particularly long because it was taking, on average, between 10 to 45 minutes to explain to parents the new process. 45 minutes for those families who were really concerned that it wasn't going to work for their child and they were trying to ask for additional accommodations. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's an incredibly complex program. Here is my take on it, quite honestly. I think for the vast majority of people with disabilities, and I'm not talking about autism, I'm just talking generally people who have accessibility issues, and that includes people 
with who break their leg, who are on a, in crutches, who are, are people who are elderly, um, who need to be in wheelchairs, as well as people with with more chronic issues. I actually think this new system will work fine, and I've been trying to be very clear that we should that that. Um, our organization, Autism Society of Los Angeles, is not is not asking Disneyland to change everything that they're doing with the new system. Um, because, any, for example, a person who um, has a bad back, who can't stand for long periods of time, a, an elderly person who can't stand for long periods of time, will be fine if they go and get their card marked for 60 minutes later. They can go sit somewhere else. They can relax. They can go to a store. Um, mm-hmm. They can just hang out, and they will be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for some people on the autism spectrum, they have the ability to wait on those long lines, or wait on, for the long periods of time. My concern comes to those individuals, which is a, sub, a very small subset of the, of the disability population, but, but also a small subset of people on the autism spectrum who are not going to be able to handle this new system, and, and, which is why I've been trying to work with Disney to say what more accommodations can we provide for these individuals. Um, right. I know that a child like mine, I have a 16-year-old son with... Uh, who's pretty severely impacted by autism um, and has, you know, we feel that we've accomplished a great deal by, a la- by getting him to be able to wait 10 or 15 minutes for something. There is just no way that he's going to be able to walk up and be told, you don't get to come back for 60 or 90 minutes, um, and then to have to go wait 20 or 30 or 45 minutes for another ride. I, I um, foresee a number of, like, many, many meltdowns of these children. These children, I've already been getting stories from lots of parents who have been to Disneyland who've said that their kids have melted down. They've torn the actual card, the disability access system card that they waited for an hour online for. They tore it up. They pushed people. And I just see that that, um, that level of frustration is going to make it very, very difficult for families to truly enjoy this place that used to be their favorite place to go in the world. Well, yeah, I, think I, think, too, I, I think, too, when you think about, you know, and, and outside of the scope of autism, and there's such a variety of medical issues at play here, too, that really impact on how long any one special needs individual can really last at a park like Disneyland. So, you know, even in terms of efficiency, if, if a family like mine shows up for three hours and within that three-hour time span can only fit one ride, What's the point? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's torture. So it, even that, you know, the waiting and all of that in and of itself, but just the, the ability to, how long are a lot of these families whose children have a variety of really um, significant medical and developmental impairments, how long are they really going to the park for when they do visit, especially those of us who have invested in annual passes? You know, that was one of the reason we, reasons we justified that. You know, we can't travel with our son I realize Disney is expensive and there's families out there who have never been and may not ever be able to experience it, you know, but, but the cost of Disney really isn't what's at stake here. Uh, what's at stake is those of us who are willing to invest in Disney for a number of personal reasons, uh, like I said, for our family, it was our justification was this is our vacation money, you know, this is where we're going to go instead of traveling. Um, even with the annual passes, you know, which ours just expired and, and I'm not about to fork over another couple of thousands of dollars until I know that Disney really wants us there. And right now, based on this system, I feel like they don't. 
you know, because yeah. it's not accessible to our family. Yeah. I'm hearing that pretty consistently. Um, you know, I, I do government relations for Autism Society of Los Angeles, and I try to fight the significant budget cuts against our system and, and try to pass really good laws. And it's, it's, I, have, I try to get people to make phone calls, to go on Facebook, and I, it's very hard. This issue of Disneyland I, is like viral. It is everywhere. Um, one of our local moms here in Southern California, Kim McLean, uh, put up a petition on moveon.org, and in a matter of two weeks received over 40,000 signatures. Right, and, you know, I'll tell you, here's the thing that I've been telling people, you know, in interviews and my community as, as a whole, this isn't just about going to Disneyland. I think what we need to really focus on is that Disneyland and, and Disney, okay, is a powerhouse. Disney Mm -hmm. is a trailblazer. What Disney does, other establishments and companies and corporations are going to sit up and take notice. And if Disney is going to get away with providing the very bare minimum to a very diverse population, who's next? So, you know, what kind of message are they sending out when it comes to accessibility and accommodations for a population that is not a one-size-fits-all population? And that is my overall concern is that that Disney is sending a very loud and clear message to society, and I'm waiting for the next, the next establishment or the next business to create a set of rules and guidelines that is going to make that particular environment, um, you know, inaccessible for my family. And that is really I don't even have to wait for that, Joe, because that already exists. It's so right. many environments are inaccessible for my son. Right, right. And but, and son. It, it, absolutely. And so, you know, it's, it's, this feels, and I think this is why it's very personal, too, is like, you know, I feel like as an advocate, you know, sometimes if you get um, a specific uh, place, you know, like, for instance, I'll give you a really quick example. We've got this wonderful pumpkin patch up the street from us at Irvine uh, Park Railroad, Irvine Park Regional Park. And you go over there, and it's like every single employee has had, like, amazing sensitivity training and accessibility, accommodation. They're so kind and gentle with our son. I'm happy to give them all of my money. And so those little steps feel really significant in a, in, a, in a world where it feels like there, we can't do very much, okay? And then you have this enormous powerhouse like Disney who is taking something, you know, away from our family. And, it's, and it feels very personal. It's hard for it not to feel personal. And, and the other thing is that, you know, one of, one of the com- – I was listening in on a lot of comments that the cast members, which is what they call the employees of Disneyland, said in guest relations to the different families who were going up and requesting this new card – and they were saying things like, you know what, this is just going to require more organized, uh, more organizing and more planning. And what, what people need to realize is that that is our freaking lives. We get yeah. up every morning and it's, it requires organization and right. planning just right. to get our kid out the door to school. Right. Right. right, well, you know, brushing Andrew's teeth is, you know, how many steps does it take right. and how long did it take to get there? I mean, absolutely, absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with you, Judy. And, and so our lives are filled with so much stress on a daily basis. Yeah. And Disneyland was literally the one place of joy. I've heard stories. This is the only place my child smiled. This is where my child had his first word. It's like this is our true place of joy and happiness, and this is why it, it is so personal, and it is so devastating for so many families. It's because we feel like this has been ripped out from under us. 
and I will tell you this too, you know, and I think this is a very important um, and very significant issue that, that, that is, there's a very ugly, ugly underlying side to our society. And, and when something like this happens, all of those cowards with a computer screen come out in droves. And so when I wrote about Disney, I can't tell you the number of, I mean, I got a lot of supportive comments, but I'll tell you, there were those individuals, and these are parents raising children who will one day be adults alongside my special needs son, okay? These individuals would email me and comment, thank God your family can't come to the park anymore. There's more room for us. You don't belong there anyway. Why would you bring your son? Why not build a special park for them? Why, I mean, I'm, you know, I'll tell you, so there's a lot of layers to this. It's not, of course, it's, you know, at at the bare bones of it is that, yes, Disney is no longer accessible for a very large a special needs population, a specific population. But there's a lot of layers to this issue, and a lot of it is societal. And what are we doing next for our communities? Correct. And the, and the comments that I've been hearing on the stuff that I've been posting on, on, in different places is, why do you parents feel so entitled? Exactly. I feel the opposite. Right. You know, it's like what I would gladly trade places with any family who has a son with who does not have special needs. I would do anything to to help my son live a better life than he lives. Right. And I would love for him to have the ability to be able to wait yeah. 60 minutes online. And I find it so incredibly insensitive for people to say that what we feel is entitlement. You know, there was a wonderful um, video that was done by a gal I know. She goes by Autism Hippie on Facebook. She did a video in response to that, um, you know, you had brushed upon the, the big drama when the t- Today Show went undercover and unearthed the, the fraud that was occurring with, you know, renting out or hiring disabled guides in order to get ahead in lines. She did a video in response to that on her YouTube channel, and it was basically like, hey, you know, my, my special needs kid is for hire, and she has a <laughs> senior in high school, a son with autism on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And she was like, here's what your day is going to look like at Disney if you hire my, you know, a son with autism to be your guide. And it was like, first you're going to go on this ride, and then you're going to get off, and you're going to go on the same ride again. <laughs> and then you're going to get off, and you're going to go again. And basically, while you're here for the next five or six hours, you will be going on that one ride, you know, just trying to paint a picture that this isn't about entitlement. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, our, our lives really are blessed in a number of ways, but for the most part, the, the majority of my day, as I, I can assume yours as well, Judy, is jumping through hoops, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so I think that's where the message is lost on the general public is that we're not throwing a tantrum, you know, because we want to be in line first. With, you know, this is about giving accessibility, and it's about justice for this community. I agree. The, the other issue that has become very clear to me is the impact that this new policy is going to have on the siblings of kids with special needs. Sure. Um, my daughter, I, I have a, my, my son has a younger daughter, uh, sister who's 14 now, who, um, who, who loves to give speeches about her brother. And she always says, you know, things are, 
sometimes it's kind of tough having an older brother with autism. You know, I don't have a similar relationship to him that I would have if he didn't have autism. Um, he has some, he's sometimes had meltdowns in Target and in shopping malls, and we've had to, we showed up to places and had to leave five minutes later because he couldn't handle it. Um, and so, you know, sometimes my life is tough, but she'll always joke that, but you know what? We get this special assistance card at Disneyland. And so that's the one perk we get. Right. And I was, I was realizing when I was telling my daughter about this that she's like, God, she doesn't want to go to Disneyland anymore. She's so, she, because of the way they're treating her brother. Not that she can't go by herself and she can wait on the lines, but she's just feeling like, you know, this is the one thing that we as a family can do together. That siblings, siblings of kids with special needs get to be there and their, their brother is out front. This is something cool that their brother can actually do because they are not in a regular high school class. They're not going to high school football games. They're not going to the prom and the dances. This is something really cool that we get to do together as a family. Right. And it, and now it's being taken away. And so it's not just impacting the child with special needs. It's, it's, it's been devastating to the, to the whole family. And, you know, I'm just really appealing to Disney, if they are listening to this, that they should really consider how they're going to create a new approach. And, and at some point in this conversation, Rob, I actually have come up with one approach for them that I would love to throw out. Okay. Well, I'm going to put a pause on this. You guys are, are awesome, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the passion and, and just the real impact in, in your families and in the people you're speaking to. Um, but I do need to pause this so we can take a commercial. But when we come back um, from this commercial, maybe we can talk a little bit about um, some of your ideas of, of how to make this a little bit better. So let's take a break and we'll be right back. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. Call us today and let us know how we can best support your family at 866-278-1520. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Autism Spectrum Therapies, supporting extraordinary individuals and their families. Visit AutismTherapies.com or call 866-278-1520. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host, Rob, or the guest, please send an email to more info at autismtherapies.com. 
That's more info at AutismTherapies.com. Now, back to the program. All right, we are back here at Autism Spectrum Radio. Um, Joe Ashline and Judy Mark are our guests, and we've been we've been talking about uh, some changes at Disneyland. And I think you guys really just did a, an amazing job talking about what this real impact is. And and Joe, I really appreciate the the perspective you gave about what this leads to the rest of the community because I think that's an important point for our listeners. Is this is a big company, and a lot of people could follow suit and do similar things to impact the the access for for our kids. Um, but it sounds like both of you have some ideas. And Judy, I know it sounds like you're very antsy to to talk about some of the things that yeah. that you think can really impact this or, or maybe be done a little bit better. So I'm hoping, maybe, Judy, you could start with some of yours, and then Joe, you could chime in if you have anything to add. Sure. So, so um, you know, I, I've been working closely with the with the Disney executives, who I, I want to say something that they have actually been really extraordinary in reaching out to leaders of the disability community to once they already decided, not before they decided, but once they already decided what the new system would be, they have done a great job of reaching out to us. They have been in constant touch with me, asking for my feedback. The other positive thing I want to say is the Disney staff at Disneyland um, have been so incredibly cordial and respectful on the whole of of the parents that I've seen. So I do want to absolutely give kudos to to Disney on that. Um, But my concern is I kind of don't understand why they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, why they're punishing children and adults with legitimate disabilities because of the abuse of other people. You know, I I kind of liken it to, you know, there's a lot of people who abuse the handicap parking system and get handicap placards when they don't have legitimate disabilities or they use their grandmother's placard or whatever. But we don't then say, okay, we're not going to have handicap parking spaces anymore, or we'll allow you to just drop drop off, or we'll teach you how to walk better, which is what they're actually suggesting to our children, is you need to teach your children how to wait better. Um, so, you know, we just because there is some abuse doesn't mean you get rid of the entire system. So my feeling is, is that there needs to be a way to verify for people who want to have much more accommodations. I think this current system will work fine for the general community where mm-hmm. there's no verification needed. People just co up, they're going to have the system, and that's it. But for the smaller, popula- smaller segment of the disability population who's going to need additional accommodations, potentially even going back to the previous kind of system, we're going to need to ask for more verification, and it needs to be on a voluntary basis. They are currently offering this the old system, to the wish-granting organizations like the Make-A-Wish Foundation, where those Mm. children who come through Make-A-Wish will continue to have the same kind of path system that they had prior to to the new changes. My, um, my suggestion to Disney is that they have that same opportunity to go back to the old system for a segment of the population who believes that their kids will have behavioral or emotional um, outbursts because they will not be able to handle these long wait times. And that Disney contracts with an outside agency like a children's hospital, like an, a big autism organization or a big disability rights organization who vets the, who, where parents voluntarily, voluntarily send documentation of their child's behavioral challenges or their medical challenges 
and that this independent organization vets that information and sends them some sort of verification that 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 family can then bring back to Disney, which will allow them to go back to the old system. I think there will not be a lot of abuse of that system because if you make the effort so so severe that only the parents who are really, really willing to provide that information are going to go through with it. I've offered that. I have not gotten a response yet from Disney. And I I think, Judy, you bring up an excellent point, and I'll tell you why. You know, those of us in the trenches here with special needs parenting will agree when I say that we're not afraid of paperwork. No. You know, our entire lives are, I mean, I could build, I could wallpaper, you know, houses upon houses, neighborhoods upon neighborhoods with the paperwork that I have to fill out on, you know, a bi-monthly basis for my, for my, for my special needs son. So if Disney throws, you know, a stack of paperwork at me and says, hey, if you really want what you used to have, you know, volunteer to fill this out, you know, if there's a more stringent vetting process in place, I'm not afraid. I'm more than happy to provide that information. I'm more than happy to fill out that paperwork. And I think you'd find that the great majority of those of us who truly know that our children and adult children need those specific accommodations would feel the same way. Absolutely. You know, I, listening to the two of you, I know the issue that I guess sparked all this for Disney um, from what you've said and from some of the reports I've seen, it sounds it's the fraud issue. And I listen to the way the system is set up. And I think about me at an amusement park. It's the waiting in that line that it's basically cattle call where you just filter through that long snake. But if you can tell me, Hey, just show up in 50 minutes um, and I can go and have a burger. I can have, uh, go to see something else, walk around the park. That still sounds better to me than the long lines. Does this really fix fraud if this is still better and it's all this, you know, it's still the honor system. It's still, it, it, they're not putting any measures in to prevent some of the things that, Judy, you said you saw and that some of the reports we've heard from the different news outlets. Is this even going to really fix the problem that they claim they're trying to fix? So, it may not fix all of it. Um, it's not the new system is not so advantageous where people may actually want to commit fraud. I mm-hmm. think the vast majority of people who are committing the fraud are just being jerks about it, and they're not like malicious within, within their yeah. intent. So I think it will fix some of that. Um, but what it does do for Disney is it reduces the pressure on the wait times when you have. Um, you know, on some of the rides, you end up getting quite, quite a lengthy line um, for people with disabilities, and it ends up lengthening the line for the guests who are who are not disabled. And I think right. that, that is some of the pressure that they are seeing, particularly mm. at the parks in California. Not as much in Florida. In the parks in California, they were seeing thousands of guest assistance cards handed out per day, and that is just that was just too much for them when such a large percentage of the, of the attendance each day was using a guest assistance card. It did become a problem, and I, and I totally understand that, and I'm very supportive of trying to get rid uh, of that system because, actually, if they can more accommodate my son, then it will actually help kids with the more severe issues, too. Um, so, so will it get rid of all of it? Nothing ever gets rid of all fraud. People can always figure ways around the system, but I do think it will improve the system somewhat. Right, and I also, I mean, I also think the other side of that, and I agree that, you know, you have a lot of people who are super saturating the system and for a variety of reasons, but I think what's also important to remember is, 
you know, for families like mine specifically, we're not, and I know I've mentioned this earlier in the broadcast, we're not mm-hmm. there all day. I mean, we have every right to be. So it's not about, you know, making room for other people. But, but if you talk to a lot of families who have children like my Andrew, whenever we go to Disneyland, you know, we're not using that GAC from, you know, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. We may be there three, four hours, and we're out the door. We're done because he can't handle it. So I think, you know, you're looking at the fact, too, is that um, even those of us who are using guest assistance cards, how long are we really there, especially, you know, if we're, if we're taking our severely impacted children? So I think mm-hmm. that's a really a big thing to remember. One of the things that Disney said in their first releases prior to the new system um, being implemented was, you know, be patient, try it out, be patient. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know anybody who can truly afford financially yeah. to be patient until you guys figure out that this isn't going to work for our families. But, so, but on know, the other we're hand, Joe, we're with me buying, you know, renewing yeah. our passes. I'm waiting to see what the next step is. But, but right now from where I sit, I'm feeling like my family is very unwelcome. So but on the other hand, um, Joe, for those people whose passes are still current, I strongly urge you to go to the parks with your child. I, I, in my conversations with the Disney executives, they have said to me, how many of these complaints that you have heard about the new system have actually come from people who tried the new system? Right, right. And I agree with you. I think that they need to hear real, you know, from moms and dads, from families who are being impacted. They need to hear how this is working or not working for their families. And I completely agree with you. If you've got your tickets, if you've got your passes, you know, there's those of us who are counting on you to go and really try it out, you know. And, and, and of course, we, I say and that from... From the comfort of my home without a melting, a, a child melting down in line. Right. But I think it's imperative that we have a community of individuals out there speaking up because they've experienced this system firsthand. So, and, and on top of that, I think it's really important for people to document what happened. Yes. Um, so I have been, people are welcome to write to me um, at, at Judy Mark. J-U-D-Y-M-A-R-K at earthlink.net and send me your stories. I am passing every single story on to the Disney executives and they are very pleased to receive these stories to see if they can improve their system in some way. Um, and uh, I'm collecting all these stories and I'm hoping at some point to have a face-to-face meeting with Disney to be able to present all this. But we cannot complain unless we actually try it out. Absolutely. And I hate to ask parents to put their kid through this system when you know that it's possible they will have a meltdown. I am planning on bringing my son um, in a, I, maybe at the end of November when the system has a little bit more time to get, get up and running. Um, but believe me, I'm going to be documenting it. And if you see that things are not going well, I want you to write it down. I want you to take pictures. I want you to videotape. I want you to do what you need to do to document it. Um, I have been told by Disney that that the guest relations cast members are supposed to be offering certain things when parents are not satisfied that it's going that it's not a, that the, what they're being offered is going to accommodate their child and I have not seen that consistently happen I have in a few isolated cases people are offered um, these readmission passes to be able to go to front of the line lo- not to go to the front of the line but to be able to go to front of like fast pass lines and to go to the handicap line without waiting the hour. Um, and they're offered maybe one or two, but I, in many cases, I see parents crying at the, you know, to guest assistant, guest relations people, and are offered absolutely no additional accommodation. It's supposed to be individualized. 
it has, I have not been seeing that enough hap- happening enough, and parents need to go in there and ask for more accommodations. And I, and I agree with you there, and I also I think it goes without saying because we are a respectful, diverse community, and I know the moms and dads that are listening today agree with me when I say that when you do go to Disney and you're feeling frustrated and your child is melting down and, and, you know, and your experience isn't what you were hoping it would be, you know, to really remember that these cast members that are trying to assist you at the park, they are not the decision makers. They are implementing a program that they were trained on. And our voices collectively need to be heard at the higher levels. So as frustrating as it may seem, you know, I'm hoping that, uh, that parents and our community members are, are withholding from taking it out on the actual cast members themselves at the parks. Totally I think great. that's a great point. We're, we're out of time. Um, so I think that's a great point for us to end on. Um, Judy, thank you for giving your email address out because I know you, um, you have been getting all that information and, and encouraging families um, across the area to share their experiences. Um, I know, you're, as you said, you're also part of the Autism Society of Los Angeles. Right, and um, please go to our website, autismla.org. And I want to encourage families, if you may not live in Los Angeles, you may not live in California, but one of the things I really like about um, the Autism, Autism Society of Los Angeles and the work that Judy's been doing and that they've been doing is they've been putting a lot of work into um, services and options for adolescents teenagers and adults. And so if you're in another state, they may give you a lot of good ideas, a lot of really good options that you can then look for in your town um, from service providers or even ideas of how to um, really generate that same type of awareness. So it's a really great resource for families outside of Southern California as well. Um, Joe, I'm, I'm hoping you can give everyone your, your blog information as well, because I know you, your writing absolutely, is awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, joeashline.com has all of, uh, you know, the relevant links and information, and we recently launched specialneedsoc.com, um, and uh, I also freelance for the Orange County Register, so you can find me there. Fabulous. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. I, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Um, so I've got a couple minutes to uh, to close out, and uh, this was uh, kind of a fun show. I got to be kind of quiet today and um, listen to two parents who I just know I, I feel like I learn a lot from, and I get inspired by to hear their experiences and their perspectives. Um, both of them have, have taught me a lot, especially over these last few years in um, the, the things that they've been doing, Joe's writing, Judy's outreach. It's, it's just um, really great for me as a professional to hear and, and give me the right perspective. Um, but just kind of final thought on everything. You know, one of the things that we were talking about during a break that I think is really important that both Judy and Joe made me think of is that the system puts a lot of pressure on Disney and it's making Disney really be very organized. The cast members said that we have to be much more organized and organization that fails or, you know, that leads to chaos is the worst thing for our kids. Uh, structure, uh, regularity, these things really go a long way for kids on the spectrum. And my thought was that it really takes the control away from parents who have probably created systems. Uh, I'm sure Joe and Judy both have systems and routines and, and a, an approach that they've used to make sure Disney is successful because they're still waiting in some lines. There's still a lot of sensory um, issues that can come up. I mean, that's an overstimulating place for anybody, let alone a child on the spectrum. And I'm sure that they've got a lot of routines that are set up 
that now they will likely have to go and completely rewrite or completely redo. And what kind of impact is that going to have on them as well as on their kids and, and everyone else's kids? Um, so I'm not sure if, if, if there's a true understanding of the responsibility that Disney is ultimately inadvertently taking on um, from a, a structure and a control perspective. Um, so I, I hope everyone really um, took this message and, and the call to action because from, from what I can see on this issue and every other issue we've talked about, um, it's the voices of parents. Uh, 40,000 people signing a petition is amazing. And now the next step about sharing experiences that um, you're having out there, as, as Judy and Joe said, I think are, are going to be a next key step um, in, in making sure that the, the policies are set up the right way to support our kids. If you want to go hear some past shows that Judy and Joe did, um, Judy did a show on uh, April 10th, 2012, as well as a show on um, August 21st, 2012, both giving some different perspectives um, from a parent's perspective, as well as some things that Judy learned uh, about adult services from a trip to Israel. And Joe also gives an amazing perspective on uh, May 22nd, 2012, a great show that she did as well. Um, I'm out of time. Have a fabulous week. Take care, everybody. We hope you've had some questions about autism answered this week. Autism Spectrum Radio can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us for another edition next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.